Today is Wednesday, June 28th, 2023. This is the Quick Start Podcast from CBN News. I'm Dragon Phillips. A month after Typhoon Mawar battled the Pacific island of Guam on May 24th, many residents are still in dire need of help. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, News from a Christian Perspective. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to this show, give us a five-star rating, share it with all your friends and family, uh, and send us your thoughts. Our email is quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. You can also go to cbn.com forward slash quickstartpodcast. Joining me today is Billy Hallowell. How are you doing today? I am doing well, and we're still Dan Free. We are, we're still Dan free for the week, I think, right? It says to be a, yeah. a Dan free week, unfortunately. If you're listening, Dan, we miss you. Yes. Yeah. Well, speak for yourself. No, I'm kidding. I, yeah, I miss, <laughs> I miss Dan. And yes, we are without him for the whole week. So everyone else is just stuck with you and I. Right. Stuck with the two of us. Uh, what do we have coming on the main thing today? Well, we're going to be talking with the creator of this really unique Bible video game, um, and it's it's pretty exciting. I don't want to spoil it, but it's it's going to be a good discussion. Yeah, I think this story is fascinating. It's something that's been all over our website at cbnnews.com and also on Faithwire, so I'm, I'm fascinated to hear more uh, about that in a little bit. But first, let's get through the news in 90 seconds. Uh, Jim Caviezel, best known for his role as Jesus in The Passion of the Christ, is portraying former U.S. government agent Tim Ballard in the new movie Sound of Freedom, uh, which chronicles Ballard's work to rescue children from sex trafficking and the modern slave trade. In a new interview with CBN's Faithwire, Caviezel is calling Christians to action on tough issues like sex trafficking. He said, our faith is paramount, but it has to have something that comes from it. You love someone, it's an action. It's not what I say, it's what I do. The problem is, in a lot of this modern-day Christianity, people are more afraid of the devil than they are of God, and God could kill the devil without a glance. He added, our love for God's children has got to be more than our fear of evil. Our love for Jesus has got to be more than our fear of the cross, because at some point that persecution is going to happen. At one month after Typhoon Mawar battled the Pacific island of Guam on May 24th, many residents, as I said at the top, are still in dire need of help as they try to recover from this massive destruction that the Category 4 cyclone left in its wake. Some areas in the U.S. territory are actually still without power and water, so Operation Blessing, the really the humanitarian wing of CBN, recently visited these, visited these communities to bring food and encouragement to the people there. Operation Blessings Regional Director John Tan led the team. He said, I'm in the village of Ihigo and the subdivision of Zero Down. The houses here are flattened. People here lost everything. There's still no power, no water. We're going door to door right now, bringing food and fresh water to them, drinking water so that people can focus on rebuilding their homes. Uh, the residents have said that they're grateful for Operation Blessing uh, that's working alongside with other volunteers with their church partner, uh, Life in the Sun Church. Uh, that personally, uh, or that church personally, has brought them food bags containing rice, canned food goods, coffee, sugar, and other basic needs. Uh, they said that they've been touched by the kindness uh, of, of both Obi and of the church there. So continue to be in prayer for the people of Guam uh, and for the work that Obi and other mission organizations are doing there. Uh, and in other news, government, government officials with the city of Fort Worth 
they're on high alert after a group of hackers seemingly breached the government-operated database, ostensibly because of Texas's ban on minors receiving transgender-related treatments and surgeries. Uh, we have decided to make a message toward the U.S. government, the alleged hackers wrote in a Facebook post. It just happens to be one of the largest states banning gender-affirming care, and for that, we have made Texas our target. Uh, the city's IT director said that no sensitive data was released in the hack, and that the ransom uh, and that a ransom has not yet been demanded. On June 3rd, Texas Governor Greg Abbott ratified a law barring irreversible and body-damaging procedures and treatments for minors who identify as transgender. The law is set to take effect September 1st. The Lone Star State is now the 17th state to outlaw such surgeries and therapies for those under 18 years old. Uh, So those are just some of today's top headlines. You can, of course, check out more of those stories uh, at cbnnews.com and faithwire.com. Billy, what are your thoughts on this breach? It seems like the left is is getting increasingly dogmatic as Christians and conservatives are sort of digging in their heels on this sexual uh, sexual stuff, particularly as it pertains to kids. Yeah, you know, it's it's bizarre to me that people would sort of violate the law or take these other turns. I, I feel like people have reached a desperation point in their anger where they're willing to bend the norms, the social norms, the legal norms that previously they wouldn't have bent. And I think we're seeing more of that, you know, as these social issues progress, you know, if I can't get my way, well, I'm going to tear down the system. I'm going to do the wrong thing on every level, not just morally, but maybe even legally. And that, that is a troubling place to be, honestly. Well, and another aspect of this that I find so concerning is the fact that it's all of these adults that are so preoccupied with ensuring that children are able to receive these irreversible procedures. What's with the hyper-focus on children. If adults want to do what they want to do, we've said this before. Obviously, we have religious, theological, you know, moral issues with the choices that people make, but they're adults, they can do what they, you know, they can legally do what they want to do as long as it's within legal parameters and not hurting anybody, all of that stuff. Uh, but it's almost religious or fanatical. Uh, this obsession with children and ensuring that children are able to receive these sorts of surgeries and therapies, whether it's hormonal or actually, you know, cutting off or altering a a part of one's body. Uh, The obsession to me, I think, is scary. Well, yeah. And I think the goal is get a young person when they're a kid and they don't know any better and then you've won them over. And I think that's what this is really about. Why do we as Christians bring our kids to church when they're young? Because we want to build a worldview within them, a, a positive worldview that helps guide their life. These people truly believe they're doing the right thing. And they, many of them are trying to reach young people when they're young to sort of shatter that worldview and create one that would live out the values that they hold dear. And I think that the trouble here, I don't think, I know the trouble here is that you have young people being maimed for the rest of their lives. You can't backtrack Mm -hmm. from some of these surgeries and procedures, right? So, um, you know, the obsessive, I, I think there's a spiritual element to it as well, obviously, that we are watching unfold. What's so interesting, and I think that, you know, conservatives and Christians are gonna need to deal with this. If the claim is that doing this to young people will save them from suicide, Well, you better have a whole lot of research proving that that's the case. And it doesn't seem like that research exists right now. So, you know, I think that the right and and Christians need to really dig in and press and demand that research. And also, we need to be conducting research on this um, to dispel some of those, you know, mistruths that I think are being used to prop this up. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And this is this is such a fascinating conversation, and it's a necessary one. Unfortunately, I think it's an issue that we're continuing to deal with as a culture, and we're going to grapple with it even more. I think uh, in the church. So it's important that we have handles to have these conversations because uh, this is a subject that's not going away. Because I think the left is going to become increasingly dogmatic about it, uh, and Christians are are going to to reach a a, a point of uh, of inflection, right, where we're going to have to address these. It's not, these are not going to be issues that we can kind of push under the rug or talk about privately behind closed doors. Uh, These are things that we have to be comfortable talking about compassionately, but we have to be comfortable talking about them openly and publicly and debating these issues uh, with people because the world is not going to be, the world's not going to be backing down from, from talking about this. And, you know, I want to shift over to our focus story because another issue that people are fanatical about uh, is abortion. And they're fanatical on both sides, right? There are people who want to obviously inculcate abortion as as something that that's just part of our uh, part of the fabric of our country. And then, of course, there are Christians and conservatives and even some Democrats and, and some who are on the left uh, who are not believers, uh, who are also fighting to protect unborn life. So it's, it's a big issue. But let's let's dive into this story. So a pro-life organization alleges Planned Parenthood is paying a substantial amount of money to its affiliate CEOs, more than the average salary doled out by most nonprofits. Uh, so what's the story here, Billy? Yeah, this is this is a strange one. It's the American Life League. They released a new report through their Stop International effort. This is a Planned Parenthood watchdog. And what they found, as you said, is that Planned Parenthood affiliate CEOs, and just so people understand, Planned Parenthood is reportedly sort of divided up into these different affiliates and each affiliate Each region has a different CEO. A lot of organizations, they operate in that way where they're broken up in in different divisions. But these CEOs made a total, according to this American Life League report, of $16.8 million in 2020. So if you added up all those salaries, it was almost $17 million. And that was up from $13 million in 2015. And remember, these are numbers from 2020 that were analyzed in this report. And what they did at the American Life League was they figured out the average, right? So the average then salary was $317,000, according to this report. And what's interesting is that the American Life League then compared that average. Now, this is, again, this is the average they claim to have come up with in looking at all the available data. When you compare that to the average CEO for a nonprofit in America, it's $184,000, a little under $185,000. So you're looking at $185,000 versus $317,000. There's a big difference there. It seems that these Planned Parenthood CEOs might be allegedly making, you know, quite a bit more. You know, I think a lot of times I'm not a math person. So I hear numbers and your your eyes kind of roll to the back of your head because like, I don't I don't have any idea what this is and why it matters. Uh, But of course, when it comes to Planned Parenthood and issues like abortion, uh, these are topics that we need to, to, to know what's happening. We need to know what's going on. So could you help us break down why this is something that matters, why this is something we as Christians and conservatives, too, should should be caring about? You know, it's interesting. I asked Hugh Brown, who is the executive vice president of the American Life League, and he said, look, Planned Parenthood has been around for as long as abortion has been around. He talked about their founder, Margaret Sanger, said that she drove the whole entire movement to legalize birth control. She drove the movement to legalize abortion and that she was at the center of what he called the culture of death. And so Planned Parenthood 
you know, some people love them, some people hate them, but they have been at the centerpiece of this debate over human reproductive issues in the modern era. And, you know, when you look at Planned Parenthood, he says they're often praised in culture, not just for abortion rights, they've taken on transgender ideology um, and, and a number of other issues. And he believes that obviously this is a dangerous organization in his view. And with that in mind, it's important to pay attention to this. But he said, quote, Planned Parenthood is painted as something that it's not, and it's important that we expose the truth. And CEO salaries and the CEO report is something we found that people are very interested in. I think, Trey, the big thing here is if you're an organization that is constantly fundraising off of a need, right? There's a need in the community. Abortion is a need. We, we need your money. We need you to contribute and support. If it's true that you're paying $317,000 a year on average, right, for CEOs, whereas you know, other average nonprofits are around 185,000. Well, then the question, you know, comes to mind, why are these people being paid so much money if the need is so great? So I think there's, there's a lot there to unpack, but clearly, you know, it's very discernible why this would matter, at least on a monetary level. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't have the conversation about, uh, about abortion or, as the left will often say, reproductive rights uh, or women's health care rights. You can't have those conversations without Planned Parenthood playing a significant role because they're they're just kind of a, uh, woven into the fabric of that discussion, as you said from the beginning, because they've been around for so long uh, and they're a huge organization too. So has Planned Parenthood itself responded at all to this story? We reached out to Planned Parenthood. I reached out to them, and I did not hear back, which I was not surprised, but did not hear back from them. I have not seen a response. They may have somewhere, but they have not responded to our request for comment on it. We noted the you know report. We let them know that it was out there and asked for their response and, again, received silence. Yeah. Well, as as always, if they do in any way get back with a statement, our stories on CBN News and, and Faithwire will be updated to reflect those comments. Uh, but that's all the time we have for that. We're going to shift over to the main thing. So the producer of a new Bible-themed video game is on a mission to help young people engage in scripture in a powerful and transformative way. Arv Soli, one of the producers of Gate Zero, a new game that recently blasted past its crowdfunding goal, uh, sat down with CBN's Billy Hallowell, uh, the guy we're talking to right now, uh, to discuss why he believes the game could have a transformative impact. Uh, That's today's main thing. So you are part of the team bringing together this new Bible-based game called Gate Zero. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so first of all, we are uh, we really want to dive into creating a video game for uh, for the younger generation to be able to experience Jesus and to to be able to get familiar with the stories and the events from the Bible, basically. So um, we we see that this this game might be the only Bible some people read. So uh, that's basically what we want to do. We want to to take players back, back to origin, back to zero, and uh, make them able to to dive into this huge world of, of the, the biblical stories and events, basically. Yeah, and this is something you've mentioned a couple of times here, but young people and making sure you're reaching young people with a biblical message. A lot of people love video games, not just young people, but where did this idea originate? Where did you guys come up with Gate Zero? Yeah, so uh, me and my team have been working with uh, with uh, creating content for for youth uh, camps and uh, for the younger generation for for years. 
And uh, when we were planning um, a, a Easter camp in 2020, we had an, this uh, concept of making an interactive Bible study uh, tour inside of the temple. So we were planning to have a, an interactive way of showing the different aspects of the temple um, and uh, kind of um, connecting them to the letters to the Hebrews, which have been uh, which they studied for months uh, before. Uh, but three weeks before this event was going to be held, uh, COVID came. So uh, everything was just cancelled, and uh, we were we were there uh, uh, with a model of Second Temple and uh, didn't know what to do with it. So then we find found out that okay, let's uh, let's try to find uh, another way of using it, and maybe we can do this. Uh, we have dreamed about for uh, for years to create a game out of this. So then we started with a team of three people with concept development and um, trying to figure out how could this possibly be used in uh, in an extensive way. So we we used uh, about a year or something with concept development and also prototyping different stuff. And uh, in 2022, we ended up with a huge prototype, which was then used again for the same youth group. Uh, but now they were not only... Uh, doing Bible study, but they were actually gaming inside of the Bible. You know, so many negative things came out of COVID or happened during COVID, but in the case of Gate Zero, it seems like your team was actually given the ability to work on this game. It actually opened up a door for you to do this. Would that be accurate? Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, COVID was, uh, was uh, in most ways completely negative to to a lot of things but for for us we decided early on to to try to turn around and make it into something that we can something positive and then we started out with this and yeah it, it helped us to think in other ways and think think new and think over again how can we how can we use what we already have in a new way a lot of young people today, they're losing their faith. We're seeing headline after headline in the West. We're seeing that in America, also in Europe. In light of that and in light of what you're trying to do, why do you believe that Gate Zero is a really important resource for young people in today's world? Yeah, so so uh, we believe that the younger generation, they need to get get familiar with the Bible and they need to to at least when they are taking decisions in life, they need to be able to understand what uh, on what ground they are taking the decisions. So, so uh, we see the gaming uh, the gaming medium as a really really effective way of giving them like context, telling the stories, and also interact with the stories and events. So in that way, they are able to understand the significant the significance of the the message that Jesus came with. So they can actually more easily understand it and also understand it better basically so so we see uh both it's a huge need for this but also a huge potential in in doing it like this because uh, the game industry itself is bigger than both music industry and and movie industry combined and uh, and it's uh, in, it's still uh, increasing in size and uh, and it's also on the other hand it's this, it's the most um impactful medium ever so we basically want to use the most impactful medium to tell the most impactful story uh so that, that that's basically what we want to do
There's a lot of debate about video games today, right? You have people saying that video games can create negative patterns in young people when it comes to violence. And so we know that video games can have an impact. But in this case, you're talking about a positive impact mm. for the gospel among young people. Now, you launched a Kickstarter, and I think this is fascinating because it tells how really interested the public is in what you guys are doing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but within under 80 hours, you hit your, your fundraising goal, correct? That's right. That's right. We were, we were uh, 79 hours into the Kickstarter. We were fully funded. So then we could uh, then focus on the stretch goals, which is uh, the next milestones down the road. So that will be Xbox uh, port and, uh, and PlayStation port. So that was uh, incredible, uh, incredible few days last week. So let's talk a little bit about the game itself. If I if I pull up Gate Zero and I start to play it, what am I seeing? What am I experiencing? Yeah, so you start out in year 2072 in a fictional dystopian world of uh, in, into the future. And from there, you are basically taking on a, a quest or a, a mission for your late uh, grandmother, which was a very good and, and God-fearing woman. Uh, and she has a, a kind of a mystery that you, she wants you to solve, uh, which is her so-called pearl. And you are uh, going from there back in the time machine that uh, Hector, uh, your cousin, made. Uh, and uh, going back to ancient times, 2,000 years uh, back in time, kind of jumping over uh, 2000 years of history and back to the source and back to back to kind of here uh, and see for yourself what actually happened and there you are going to solve mysteries uh, explore the world you are uh, hiding from the romans and you are uh, collecting uh, stuff in this world and also meeting jesus that's the that's the the biggest part you are going to meet jesus and the disciples and to talk to them, interact with them, and also experience the events. We are, we're making something called cutscenes, uh, which is small videos or animations where we play out the different uh, events. So you can actually see them for yourself and hear, hear uh, and also interact with those stories. So a lot of people right now who are seeing this or listening to it, they might be wondering, okay, well, how do I get my hands on this game? How do I play it? So tell us a little bit about the timeline for completing the project. Yeah, we have a demo uh, out already where you can play up approximately 20 minutes of gameplay and a few some uh, and a few cutscenes. Uh, during uh, the year of 2024, we will release the first out of four releases, which will contain about um, I would say I would say um, 30 of the stories from from the Gospels, and then uh, later down the road we will release three more. Uh, three more games which will be like in when they are all finished all the 124 events from the gospels that is absolutely incredible so where can people go for more information right now on gate zero yeah so they can go to gatezero.game which is our webpage there you also can go to the kickstarter which is still running and uh, and working on uh, getting those uh, xbox and playstation goals so there you can read all about the game. You can see videos, you can contribute, you can buy rewards. And uh, yeah, basically everything is there. So last question for you. When all is said and done at the end of the day, what are you hoping to see happen? What are you hoping to accomplish through the game? We hope to see that a lot more young people, they use their time inside of the game so they can actually be able to understand. I mean, 
we see that a lot of people, young people, they think that church is boring, church is complicated, church is not relevant to them. But we want to make it so easy to understand and so like so um, uh, what do you say uh, contextual and so like uh, use kind of modern examples so they understand that Jesus' message is actually something that is more important today than. 2000 years ago we believe that this message is so it's it's the most modern way of living is the christian way of living without uh, without the sin and without all the egoism uh, so so we believe that by putting young people into the game and make them able to experience and learn they can they can take better decisions and also understand okay so christianity is actually relevant for me it's actually something that i can take on and use in my own daily life that's what we wanted to achieve Well, that is an exciting goal. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on with us today. Thank you very much, Billy. All right, Billy, thank you so much for bringing us that main thing. And that leaves us time for one last thing, which is uh, a Bible verse. We're going to look at Psalm 34, 8. It's a simple one. It's a quick verse. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I think there's so much truth packed in that little, you know, small verse. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think even when things are bad, We can always rest that God is good, rest in that reality, and just know that he's going to have us in the palm of his hand no matter what we face. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is all we have time for on today's episode of the Quick Start Podcast. If you want more news from a Christian perspective, please subscribe to this. Also subscribe to our newsletter. You can get all that information over at cdn.com. Leave us a rating and email us again at quickstartpodcast at cdn.org. Uh, Don't also forget to subscribe, uh, like I said, to our email newsletter. You can get all that information on our website at Lord Willing and the Creek Don't Rise. We'll be back here tomorrow. God bless.